With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekvam. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. Follow the show on at number podcast on Twitter and on Facebook, Instagram, and Telegram on In That Number Podcast. Email us with your thoughts and feelings on In That Number Podcast at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, consider sharing your support by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Let's march on in. Welcome back to In That Number. This is episode 198. Proud to be a part of the Sports Social Network. Today is the fifth instalment of the FanCast series, and we welcome Scott Gorman, uh, another US-based fan from our Discord. Actually, I should say welcome back to Scott, because he was on about a year ago. So, yes, it's a pleasure to have you back on again, Scott. The pleasure is all mine, right? Definitely ours. I mean, it went so well last time that we, we, you know, we had to have you back on at some point. I would hope that the listeners feel that way. Do you remember the last time? Oh, very well. I enjoyed it a great deal. <laughs> that is good. Can I just ask you, I just want to um, remind sure. how you became a Saints fan. I became a Saints fan because a good friend of mine, uh, knowing my love for New Orleans and, of course, the American football, football team i say of course like i expect everyone in england to know this but uh the american football team yes is the saints so among other reasons he told me that he had a team for me in the english premier league and i really hadn't watched club football ever Uh, but after that i figured out i'll take a flyer on this and and see how it is and it so happened to be really at the 
what later turned out to be kind of the high water mark of the 2000s anyway for Southampton. And it was just so enjoyable to watch that how could I not be uh, enamored with the team? It was, you know, under Kuman we had a, uh, a Portuguese captain, which appealed to me because my wife is Portuguese. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it seemed like a, a perfect fit for me. I, I'm thinking that I'm following uh, Tim from who's a fan of Philadelphia teams, and they tend to be the polar opposite of the teams that I follow. Same but I think it just, <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show how how lovable Southampton was at that time, that regardless where you were from in the States, that seemed like the team for you. I mean, unless you were a blatant front runner. Yeah, I, I wonder if um, how many of you would have been, if you were just getting into the Premier League now, how many of you would have uh, chose Saints on the on their current form? Uh, probably not. Probably not many of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'd like to think otherwise because I always <laughs> I tend to root for the underdogs. Although if I had came to the part if I'd come to the party this year, yeah, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot to be in love with. Other than I will say the great humor of the fans uh, during the Nathan Jones era. Uh, I, I remember watching matches. And thinking and, and hearing the crowd, it was actually the first time I think that I could really understand what the crowd was was singing. And listening to that, I was just cracking up, thinking I definitely found the right team here. <laughs> okay, well, uh, before we head on further with the show, I'd just like to add that if you are enjoying it, uh, then please show your support and head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Buy us a coffee; it will be really, really appreciated. Anyway, uh, let's get cracking with some ITN news then. Uh, the first thing that I want to bring up is uh, Martin Semmons' replacement. Um, he's been named uh, Phil Parsons, who will take over from the start of July and head all aspects of strategy and operations, uh, working closely with Sport Republic, obviously. Um, I, I don't know anything about the guy, Scott. I really don't, um, other than that he spent the last 15 years at Dyson. So he's got he's got all the right credentials. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm pleased with the move because I have a Dyson vacuum hey. cleaner and it's worked very well. So I think blue skies are ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. We, we look at it like that. I mean, I'm, I think I think it was Tim actually said on the Discord that uh, Saints are sucking at the moment, so uh, the Dyson <laughs> would be uh, yeah would would be pretty good. So uh, I, I quite like that. But yeah, I mean, I I know nothing about him, so. Uh, <laughs> At least, at least the wheels are in motion. We've got, we've got the, uh, the the parts in place now, and we can just uh, concentrate on on moving forward with this season. Nice to finally have those those positions filled. Exactly. Yes, and they've um, also announced the uh, Russell Martin's new backroom staff as well. He's going to be joined by Matt Gill, who's going to be the assistant manager. We've got Dean Thornton as the goalkeeping coach. Reese Owens will be the sports science. Uh, and Ben Parker would be on tactics and, and insights analysis. That'd be a big one. <laughs> tactics there, Ben Parker. You need to, you got your work out for you there. <laughs> Again, I mean, these are all uh, his backroom staff at Swansea. Um, he, he knows what he likes. He knows who he wants to work with. Uh, and it's worked fairly well. So uh, hopefully that can uh, resonate with Saints as well. And we can have some accountability, which would be nice. Yeah. And if we can just in. keep it there, just don't fiddle around with it too much, then... Uh, yeah, some stability and, and uh, consistency. I'm all for that. Pre-season, uh, we've got two more games that have been added to the list. Because uh, we, uh, of course, we travelled to uh, Gustafa in Turkey on uh, Saturday, the 15th of July. Uh, and they announced in the week that we've got Reading away 
uh, on Saturday, the 22nd. A Ruben Sayas led Reading. Um, and uh, those tickets are on general sale now. Uh, and then Bournemouth at home on Tuesday, the 25th of July. Interesting. Get Bournemouth and we get Ruben Sayas. Yes. And uh, yeah, for whom will Jack Stevens be playing? Wow. I mean, I did see him arriving at Staplewood with a big smile on his on his face. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of the social media that Saints have put out today, but there's a lot of uh, players that have all arrived back at Staplewood. And uh, it, uh, James Will Prowse was there and uh, Nathan Teller. Uh, and uh, yeah, Jack Stevens, all back with smiles on their faces. So uh, can we read too much into that? I feel like it has to be a very odd time to be at Staplewood because I would feel as though half of these players are not going to be there within a relatively short period of time. But I'm not really certain which half. Yeah, and I can't make my mind up whether they're trying too hard to look happy. So I don't know if the smiles are fake just to uh, to appease the fans. But I mean, I don't know. It's um. Has it's, Nathan Teller ever not looked happy? That's a good point. Yeah, he's always got a big smile on his face, hasn't he? So Some transfer news then. Uh, stuff that's been going around for the last couple of days, which doesn't sit very well with me, is um, the Tino Livramento news. I'm sure you've seen it and uh, the move to Newcastle. And there's reports saying that talks are concrete. And then they were saying about 15 million and, and trying to send Ryan Fraser our way as part of the deal. I've heard Saints want 25 to 30 million for him. Otherwise, that you know, he's going nowhere. I don't really know. I feel as though this is what happens when your team gets relegated, that it's hard for the team to say no to a huge offer. And when you have somebody like Tino, sure, I'd love to have Tino just mopping up on the championship competition but i think we know we all know and newcastle knows and everybody else knows. tino is a is a premier league player and whether he is a, a player who belongs in the starting 11 for a, one of the big six teams i think is debatable so if an offer comes along unfortunately those players that you really want to have to gain promotion are the players who are also going to fetch a huge sum. And so I don't think that Southampton is in a position to just uh, to, to say that anybody is off limits uh, as much as it pains me to say that, because I've been so excited to see Tino come back. Yeah, he he looks happy. I mean, there's rumors around as well saying that he is happy here. So I don't think there's there's they're not pushing it. He's not pushing it his end. Let's say, because I mean, there's a lot of players that would have just down tools and been like, yeah, I want I want that move to a Champions League side. And I mean, we've seen that before with um with Adam Lallana, with Dayan Lovren, with Virgil van Dijk. Um, as soon as that side comes in or shows a little bit of interest and they're you know, they're down in tools and they're and they're off. But, you know, it's nice to see that Tino has said that he's happy here. I mean, I'd like to think that it's stay another year, give it another go in the, in the championship because he, he knows he's going to get regular game a regular game time and you know we've dropped down a league so the standard is not going to be as, as as high as it was in the premier league he's just coming back from injury and there's always january as well i mean if if things aren't going so well then maybe we could uh you know maybe he could push a move back then but i don't know maybe i'm just being i'm being too hopeful if if there was a gun to my head and I, I would say now that he stays ah uh, from your lips to god's ears i'd love to see that <laughs> i've i have i have been known to be wrong so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing some doubt on it now, but yeah, it would be nice to keep him, obviously. Oh, well, I, you're saying that now 
when I saw we've we've all seen the rumors with James Ward Prowse, and I generally I, I, I'm resigned to the idea that he's going to be leaving, and. I, from a fan perspective, I, I don't care where he goes, frankly. Uh, it's just going to be painful to watch him wearing another kit. But of all the clubs where our players could go, Newcastle, really, uh, <laughs> that that's – to watch in Newcastle who's essentially become the team that I was hoping that Southampton could be years ago, um, minus the questionable source of funds uh, – <laughs> Uh, it's it's pretty painful. Yeah, I, well, I mean, to be fair, I, I would much rather he went to Newcastle because he's got more of a chance of winning anything than uh, uh, than going to a team like Fulham. Um, I just don't want him to. I, I want him to succeed. I want him to get somewhere. And you know, he's got Champions League football uh, if he went to somewhere like Newcastle. Um, but yeah, I don't know. West Ham as well. If, if James Ward-Prowse ended up there, then that would be fine. I mean, as fine as anything could be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be tough to watch. It's going to be a painful uh, summer, isn't it? It's, we're going to see a lot of uh, a, a transitional period. It's going to be difficult to take. Um, we, we have seen uh, Nico Lawrence. He's joined League Two's Colchester United for the remainder of the season. Um, and Mislav Orsic is uh, set to join Turkish side Trabzonspor for 3.5 million. Not quite what we paid, but he's got to go, hasn't he? Orsic, he was never settled here. And six minutes playing time, or just under six minutes he's had. So, uh, yeah, you've got to take, take it on the chin there. However will we fill that void? <laughs> There's been another player that's talked about coming, and we've obviously talked about Matt Grimes before. Um, but there's a West Ham midfielder, Flynn Downs, uh, could be on the cards because, I mean, he spent last season on loan at uh, Swansea. Uh, he's got a great relationship with uh, with Russell Martin. Uh, so, you know, that, that could be another uh, potential replacement for, for James Ward-Prowse. Do you know anything about Flynn Downs? Nothing beyond what you just mentioned. OK, yeah, no. <laughs> there, there is a good bit of news coming out from this week. I mean, it was out on Tuesday. Don Ballard uh, signed a new deal keeping him here until 2026. Now, this is fantastic, Scott, because there was talk about him moving on, and that didn't sit well with me, because this this club used to have a reputation for developing young talent. Uh, but, I mean, if we continue to not give them the playing time, and, and now that we're dropping down a league, these players are going to want to leave, I and mean, we've seen that with, with, with a number of them already. And in my opinion, Don Ballard is the best of the young crop right now, and, and I think that it was vital that we kept him, and... And with that, I ho- hopefully there's um, there's something, you know, he, he was happy to sign this deal with the promise of more uh, more game time this season. Yeah, I was I was thrilled to see that, uh, especially I mean, Southampton's identity was bringing up the young players and he was he, he appears to be probably the closest of all of the, the young players. And so it would have been a shame to see him go. He was one of the. the that was one of my first thoughts when relegation became a reality was, are we going to lose someone like Don Ballard? Are they going, are are other clubs paying attention and willing to take a chance on him? So I'm really happy to see him sticking around. Yeah, that's, that's massive. It's a really, really good bit of news that, because I mean, I, I knew nothing of a, of a deal in place. I didn't know. And then I just see the pictures of him with his, with his shirt and, I thought, wow, that's that's a relief. We can all breathe a bit. But I mean, as I say, from from Saturday onwards, I mean, the, the wheels are in motion now. It's moving day, isn't it? First of July. Um, the next couple of weeks could be 
it could be painful as say a real transitional period for the club and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better but you know we just got to, we just got to keep the faith because players are going to come and go but we're still here we're, we're still fans and we'll remain yes and I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit but Rasmus although he's whiffed on a few signings um, I think that the hope when he came on board was that we were going to be able to build through young talent that that he's uh, scout that they've scouted and they wanted to build through them. We have to just hope that they can make more good decisions than poor ones. And there's going to, uh, going into this season, I think there's just going to be a lot of question marks throughout the pitch and. We have to hope that they make the right decisions to fill those voids. Definitely don't need any more younger players. I think we need a little bit more of a, a balanced squad. Uh, but I think hopefully they've learned from their mistakes. Uh, and, and speaking of mistakes, um, during during these uh, these uh, fan casts that we've been doing, we've been asking the fans, you know, their their opinion on 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 the season in general and how it how or why it went wrong. And it all started with the summer window, and then you know Ralph got sacked and the replacement. Of, of Nathan Jones and sacking of Jones, the appointment of Ruben Sayers, and then him staying on. Both transfer windows were, well, underwhelming, shall we say. But I want to start where we normally do, and, and that's with Ralph. Uh, I, I, I can't remember where you stood with it on the um, on the Discord, but I mean, say, he lost his job in, in, on the 7th of November. Was that, in your opinion, was that too late or maybe should we have kept him on a little bit longer or maybe you think he should still be here i would say at the very least we should have kept him on longer Ooh. i don't we can only speculate what would have happened after that but i thought that the decisions with respect to ralph were just abysmal um if, if this is sport republic's decisions yeah yes everything from the timing to the decisions themselves we all saw how horrible the end of the 2122 campaign was and although i was not for sacking ralph at the time i could understand why that decision would have been made during the summer uh, but it wasn't and and obviously this is something that they had to consider it, there was, I believe, a, a difference of opinion as to whether Ralph should remain on. So we led decision... to believe, yeah, yeah. Um, Martin yeah. Simmons wanted him, and it was he fought for him. But a decision was made to keep him on. So if you thought during the summer window that the best manager for the club was Ralph, then I don't see what took place during those first 14 matches that would have changed my opinion. I certainly think that they should have had enough courage in, in their conviction to keep him on through what was going to be a rather soft part of the schedule that was coming up. The thing about Ralph is I, I, I've always felt that Ralph was a victim of his own success. Ralph would have runs of you know, a month, month and a half where we'd have great results. And then the fans would get spoiled and think that this should just carry on for the next few months. And then when the team did poorly, uh, we would blame Ralph and we wouldn't look at it always <laughs> on balance, but that's what fans do. You know, they react based on what just took place 20 minutes ago. Um, but I always felt, and the other thing about Ralph that would drive people nuts is that his teams would always jump out in front. We'd have that high press, yeah. we'd 
go up one nil and then we'd inevitably see the stat about points dropped from winning positions, <laughs> which I just always drove me nuts that I heard fans say things like, I just want consistency. I just, you know, oh, we will never do it until we learn how to stop dropping points from winning positions. Well, you got that this season. You got consistency. They stunk at week after week. Uh, and you didn't have to worry. I mean, Nathan Jones, if, if that's what you wanted, boy, Nathan Jones was great because never had to worry about dropping points from winning positions because we were losing by halftime in all of our matches. Well, the, the, the Wolves won. Oh, but... yeah. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that, that was a yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations for. Yeah, for one up and uh, glory days. 11 against 10, and he still managed to fuck it up. But, yeah. Yeah, give him credit. That was it was difficult to fathom because we looked better eleven on eleven. Yeah, at the beginning of that match, just looked fantastic. And but as he pointed out later, it was probably to our detriment that they uh, that Wolves had to play with ten men because we were wholly unprepared for that. Yeah, we don't know how to do that apparently, but yeah. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But yeah, back to Ralph. Um, when I, My fear going into the season was we're going to stick with Ralph, and then we're going to get some poor results right out of the gate, and then we're going to be stuck having to replace him in the middle of a season and to my surprise we actually started off really well um and then i think looking back on it now we know now and frankly we should have known then lavia was a huge part of the team and he looked fantastic from the moment he stepped on the pitch and we got kind of the I guess the high water mark for the season was that win over Chelsea, but he got injured. And right about the same time, we let Romeo go back to Spain. And look, mm-hmm. I love Romeo. He was my probably my favorite player. Not probably. He was my favorite player, but we had to let him go. He's been a great he was he was a great ambassador, a great soldier for the club. He wanted to go back to Spain. You had to let him go back to Spain. But it left the team weakened. And no it should come therefore as no surprise that after Lavia's injury and Romeo's departure, the team just stopped winning. Uh, and I felt like there was all there were all these. So b- before that, those injuries, we're looking at or before those departures, Ralph would get seven points in five matches and we're really happy. And then after that, he manages five points in the next nine. Uh, and I think I felt as though if all you were looking at was if all you were looking at was results then 
yeah, you could see where we would need a new manager because we have to, to change something up. But it, it's sort of like if, if my car stops running because the engine failed, I'm not going to go and replace the tires. And if you were watching these <laughs> matches, it's a very good you, point. <laughs> you knew for like going back to when Danny Ings left, when Danny Ings left, we replaced him with Adam Armstrong and we knew from that point on, anybody watching the matches knew we just don't have a clinical scorer. We get opportunities and we have love Shay Adams, but he's not a clinical scorer. And I looked at the team and I said, geez, like if we had gone into the season without a goalkeeper and our best goalkeeper goalkeeping option was Shay Adams and we were losing matches by a goal every week because he was allowing a soft goal. We wouldn't blame Shay Adams. We would blame management for not bringing a goalkeeper in during the window when it was clear that we needed one. That's another very and good point. Yeah. That was the problem we had. If you watch these matches, you knew that God, Shay Adams missed against Wolves. I mean, he had to score from two feet from the net by all he had to do was let the ball hit a part of his body other than his arm. And he messed that up. <laughs> um, I, I'm thinking, uh, I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> It was it was it was comical. Like if you weren't pulling for the team and knowing this could be calamitous, uh, it, it, it was funny. Adam Armstrong breaks in all alone uh, against Man U and gets stopped. Uh, we're we're level and Shea Adams breaks in on uh, Jordan Pickford gets stopped. Everton comes down the other end and scores. So we go from potentially gaining three points to losing three points. It was match after match where we were missing out on points because of the very issue that wasn't just apparent during the summer transfer window. It was apparent about four matches into the Adam Armstrong era that like, we need a striker. Uh, and so to me, that was the kind of original sin of the 2022-23 Southampton uh, season was we went into the season having not filled what was the most glaring problem with the roster and what what drives me absolutely berserk about it is for a change we actually had money to throw around at the problem and i i I don't blame i don't necessarily blame them for bringing in the young players that they did uh, many of whom have shown promise the problem was they put all their eggs in the cody gakbo uh basket And when he pulled out at the 11th hour and said, nah, I think I'm going to stay where I am, we had no plan B. And there was no reason not to have a plan B because we had money to sign a plan B, which we know because, A, they spent lots of money during that transfer window, and then, B, they threw money around like crazy in January. So there's no reason why we shouldn't have had a backup plan. Then, having been left exposed like that, when Ralph manages 12 points in in 14 matches – we let him go, and I said at the time, if we are lucky, we will get a good manager, and we will have the exact same problem. More likely, <laughs> we will do worse because the manager was never the problem with this team. I mean, let's not forget when he had when he had Shea Adams and a clinical striker, they were knocking on the door of European competition. In fact, they would have been in they would have competed in Europe mm. if Ings could stay healthy. Yeah, we had our moments, but I mean, I'm convinced that during that that season, that, that I mean, Sport Republic must have said that because the way they ended 21-22, you know, Ralph's record there was just awful, and I'm con- I'm convinced that they were looking for options at new managers then, and 
they done their homework and Nathan Jones was on the cards from then. I'm I'm pretty sure of it. And obviously Martin Simmons fought for uh, for Ralph. Maybe there was a deal that they said, look, let's just see how the start of the season goes. And as soon as it started to go wrong, you know, they pulled the plug on it and Nathan Jones was in straight away. Well, I guess they have admitted defeat by sacking him. But uh, when he came in, how underwhelmed were you with the replay with with you know with Ralph being here for so long, you know, building a connection with the fans. I mean, even even people that wanted him out, were, you know, it's it's hard to dislike the guy. But then you get Nathan Jones that comes in a complete opposite. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very underwhelming uh, appointment and uh, replacement for for Ralph Hasenhuttl. I will say that I think that fans. Well, first of all. Since I got into English football, I was always amazed at how quickly fans turn on a new manager. And yet I watched Nathan Jones in about four matches and was like, what are we waiting for? (laughs) We know how this story is going to end. Could we end it sooner rather than later, please? Because we have favorable fixtures coming up and absolutely no hope that we're going to get results in them. And I think that – one thing that I find, I think fans overreact to the pro, the post-game press conferences and because when your team loses, there's really no right answer. What, what, what are you going to say? I mean, you could throw players under the bus. You could uh, you, you could be like Sayas and kind of whistle a happy tune and try to send a message of positivity. You could do any number of things, and they're kind of all different degrees of wrong. Nathan Jones was as far to one end of the spectrum as he could possibly be. I mean, he was just abysmal in that no matter how bad things went, he seemed to be defensive when nobody was really attacking him. I mean, he was like, <laughs> yeah, he, he was, was too, he was a bit crazy for a while. There was... He was nuts. And, and I'm looking at this three, four matches in and I'm saying, can we pull the plug on this already? Show me any, you know, under Ralph, what I loved about this club was there was always optimism. Like they could be going up against, it didn't matter. Arsenal, Mets. I mean, look at Arsenal this season. As horrible as as Southampton looked at the beginning of the season, we were apparently in free fall. And not only did we earn a draw with Arsenal, we played them toe to toe. I mean, it wasn't like we got a lucky goal and somehow you know made that stand up for a point. Uh, There was always hope that out of nowhere that could happen because, by the way, I mean, another reason why I was so big on Ralph being the man for the job is for for as frustrating as it was to watch the team go horribly wrong for for weeks and months on end. He managed to pull the team out of tailspins when I didn't think it was possible. And that's what we needed was somebody who could pull the team out of a tailspin. Nathan Jones was the complete opposite of that. And after four matches, I'm saying, what is this team doing well? Like, what can you possibly point to and say, this team is improving or there's at least signs that we we see what Nathan Jones is trying to to build here. Uh, There was there was nothing. I mean, how Man City happened, I will probably never (laughs) understand. Uh, (laughs) It was probably more a a feeling on the part of Man City that we're playing a team who was fortunate to get by Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, We probably don't need to come in with the right attitude and somehow they got blanked. Um, But apart from that, there was just no there was no cause for optimism at any point, except maybe maybe when we're up one nil. 
and we go up and and Wolverhampton goes down a man. That was probably the only time when I felt really optimistic, other than the final whistle with Man City. Yeah, and that was his that was his uh, the final now in the coffin. But you mentioned uh, like four games or so that you realised that when are they going to pull the plug on 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 this? And the, the, his first four games, it was a three one loss to Liverpool, which. I mean that was before the World Cup break, and you know it was Liverpool. That was fine. Uh, lost. Then he went. Then he went and lost three-one uh, to Brighton at home. After and, he put the break in World Cup break. Yes, he certainly <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Brighton one on Boxing Day was. Um, but I mean, you look back at it and say, well, Brighton had a fantastic season. You know, got into Europe for the first time in their history. So again, you know, another team that we we, you know, we shouldn't have been beaten. Uh, and then the Fulham game. But the game that really did it for for everybody, I think, was that Nottingham Forest one at home because yeah, that was that was terrible. And it, you, I, I, obviously Nottingham Forest were struggling at the time as well. Uh, they were in the relegation zone as were we, so you knew it was a big six pointer down there. If you don't have a shot on target or even a shot against a team like Nottingham Forest, then you know that this you know it's it's, it's all going wrong. The Forest match. I, the Forest match was, a, was that was the one where I said this, it, it's over. He has got to go. You cannot put up. I mean, there was the the, all, the attack was just absolutely anemic against a team that was abysmal on the road. They, yeah. The XG was under one half. Like, how do you go into a game? With a team like Forest, and that's the the strength of your attack. And it it, it remind one of the things that drove me nuts again. It was like, are you watching these matches, Sport Republic? The Newcastle match, which was the last draw for Ralph, they managed to double up in XG, a team that is now going to be playing in the Champions League. And it was at that point that 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 management said, "Up, oh, we've we've had enough. We have to bring in Nathan Jones." Mm. And then I watch Forest. We got tripled up in XG against a team that had scored, what, one goal on the away, I yeah. think, all season? That's right. It was unbelievable. What are we waiting for at that point? And, and even then, at that point, we had the fans for him as well, and they were still defending him. And it was uh, – so what What were they watching at that point? Well, I, yeah, I kind of – I watched that, and I put it in the, the file of, well, what do you expect them to say? I mean, they're not going to say that we think our manager is a fool because he's still the manager. No, I get that. But at that point, they really have to start listening to the fans. And why let it go on for another six games? It's that's that's beyond me. And okay, obviously, there was the win against Man City, as you mentioned, and uh, the uh, the win against Blackpool, I believe, in the cup that was in there as well. But I mean, yeah. You can't if if you if the fans are this animated about this manager, you're putting up results like that that are far worse than what Ralph was doing. At what point do you need to just suck it up and just say, look, forget pride. We've made a we've made a mistake. We need to get rid of him now. Why let it continue? And then that's the point. Obviously, the, yeah. the, the the what the Wolves game was was the final. I mean, it was I mean it was quite bad at St Mary's there. The, the atmosphere was was so so bad. I don't ever remember it being that bad. You know, you, you got fans walking over was with with the P forty five for Nathan Jones, and it was all oh god, it was I, I thought it was going to start getting ugly. Even the um you know our fans were fighting each other around that time as well. It was just a horrible place to be. I mean, it, I, it didn't get much better to be fair. <laughs> And, and the interesting thing is, looking back on that, 
we, we could say I felt like they that Sport Republic bowed to the fans when they get when they sacked Ralph when they did because again if you were watching the match it was a it was a great microcosm of the season where Southampton actually played pretty well actually very well and yet the scoreline was terrible uh you know, I lost 4-1 because I would say the other team have players who can finish we do not the other team has a has a premier league goalkeeper Bazuno is Bazuno is yeah, maybe he is maybe he isn't he probably will be one day but we not certainly right not what no. you would call the strength of the team uh, so if you were actually and, and and still amongst the fans, there were some like myself who still wanted to keep Ralph in. Who wanted Nathan Jones to be manager after three, four matches, particularly after the Forest match? They, they, you Anderson. couldn't find a fit. Yeah, that was it, I guess. And I felt like they were just slow to uh, to acknowledge the obvious, which is this person has no business managing a Premier League club. And his attitude coming out of these matches, just defending himself, just goes to show that, God, I mean, Bazunu will be a, a Premier League goalkeeper long before Nathan Jones is a Premier League manager. <laughs> that's quite a good, uh, that's quite a good bet, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, still, it still took too long for them to uh, to sack him. And again, you know, the the, the whole um, Jesse Marsh situation as well. And then I've said it before on the show that they made a mistake with Nathan Jones. They sacked him. They were paying him off, uh, paying off his, the rest of his contracts, etc. And they didn't want to. Ma- I mean, they wouldn't even pay the. Sh- I, I can't even remember what the uh, what the amount was that Jesse Marsh was was asking for. Um, they wouldn't pay him for for the. Uh, they only wanted to pay him for the rest of the season, uh, and Jesse Marsh said no to it. So, I, I'm convinced that they didn't want to make a mistake again with the manager. So they just took a cheap option and and, and just got Ruben Sayers in for the time being, um, and then obviously they uh, they appointed him full time. But I got to say I wasn't I wasn't over the moon with the the Jesse Marsh appointment. But if I'd have known <laughs> what we were going to have at the rest of the for the rest of the season then, of course, he was definitely the better option, a proven manager in the Premier League, <laughs> unlike the two that we out, we ended up with. And obviously, looking back at it all on a whole, definitely keep Ralph. It was the only option, wasn't yeah. it? We had three managers. They were all they all had a ba- uh, bad spell, but Ralph, by far, was the better. But the Jesse Marsh situation, how disappointed were you with that? I was disappointed in the sense that I thought that that Marsh to Southampton made sense for both sides. But I've been – it reminded me of what I saw with Jose Font, with, uh, with Ings, with uh, any number of situations where I feel like it would have made sense for them to be at Southampton – but they wanted to go elsewhere, and the result was poor for both. Uh, Font did actually win in France at some point, but I didn't yeah, think yeah. his <laughs> his time in West Ham really. I mean, if you look back on it, was he better off going to West Ham or Absolutely staying at Southampton? That was, that Probably was staying at Southampton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ings could have been playing uh, in Europe with Southampton, and instead decided to go in search of greener pastures. I thought that Jesse Marsh overplayed his hand. I don't see what he, what made him such a, an amazing candidate, but I thought, yeah, this could work. Uh, it's, it, 
definitely, if I'm Jesse Marsh, I'm saying, yeah, I'm getting back in the Premier League. I've got to show that uh, I'm not the guy. I'm I'm better than the than the manager who was just sacked. But I mean, also, um, if you're looking at the managers that have been sacked at that season, I'm not not including Jesse Marsh at Leeds, obviously, but you're looking at Frank Lampard and and Steven Gerrard and and all the people, all the managers that did go out. And all the replacements that come in, like Sam Allardyce and uh, Sean Dyche, Dyche, excuse me. Yeah. Jesse Marsh was definitely the better option there. I guess so. I, I look back on it and I say, I don't, it, it didn't matter who you brought in at that point. It, yeah, I heard well, people say, it mattered oh, to Everton. I mean, they, they, they made the manager just, uh, change straight away and it worked for them. I haven't said well, that, I think they probably would have stayed up if they kept Frank Lampard anyway, because we were just, there was oh. three, three worse teams than them. I think Frank Lampard could torpedo any club. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think Dyche only managed to keep Everton up because it was a unbelievably unusual season in terms of the number of points that were needed. I mean, Southampton was all, was pretty much done at that point. And Lampard had so torpedoed Leicester that you only had one spot left and. Leeds managed to be worse than Everton. It's not as though Dyche came in and like suddenly they were up yeah. to 45 points. I mean, they, it took that goal. Wait, that last, is true. Last, but uh, but I mean, season. if 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 Jesse Marsh had stayed at Leeds, would they have stayed up? Uh, I don't see any reason to believe they they would have. I I I think they sacked him too early. I I was shocked when he went because I mean he wasn't the, the he wasn't one of the uh, the next managers on my list. I thought no. Uh, I thought things were going quite well. They were last season anyway, and then all of a sudden it just it just it was going wrong quickly. And they they did what we didn't do. They got, they got rid of their manager straight away. Well, let's put it this way: I don't think Jesse Marsh was the problem, but I'm not sure that he was the solution either. But there was no solution in the end. It didn't matter. And and frankly, that's kind of where I was with Southampton: is once you pulled the plug on Ralph, it didn't matter who you brought in. They, they were going to get relegated anyway. Pep. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Then we had these, you know, these crazy, oh, why don't we bring back Pochettino? Like, he's not doing anything. Sure. That's what he wants. <laughs> yeah. A relegated club on his resume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, obviously, Ruben Sayas, he comes in. Uh, we scrape a win against uh, Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup. Uh, he gets the job full time. Uh, not exactly what we wanted well not exactly what well i can only talk for me and kevin here because we, we were playing, you know, off air this is this is a big mistake they, they've got time still uh, they need to bring in a manager now and not give it to say us and i think tim was one of the ones that said we might as well just keep him but i do believe in spite of what you're saying scott i do believe that we if we had had a manager at that point then we may have uh may have stayed up. I thought Sayus was probably our best chance, believe it or not, okay. because I thought that one of the problems, see, again, it all gets back to the beginning of the season. If, if we had decided to go, and I wouldn't have, but if we had decided in the summer to go a different direction, then perhaps we could have brought in a manager who would have brought his system, maybe brought in some players to fit that system. And, Perhaps things could have been marginally better, uh, but we didn't. We went with Ralph, and, and we started talking about how great consistency can be, and we had that with Ralph. We had for we had the alignment throughout the organization, uh, and 
then we pulled the plug midstream and the result was a was a calamity and after nathan jones i thought maybe the best chance we have is to go back to the system that we started with that we brought play, for which we brought players and maybe there's a way to get things back on the rails then he comes in and we managed the, the win over Chelsea. Uh, I think there's a theme here. Yeah, then later, last year. But I think it, the win over Chelsea was when they gave him the, the job for the rest of the season. Yeah, sorry. I said Shepard Wednesday, didn't I? Shepard Wednesday was when he was uh, in between uh, yes. Ralph and, and, uh, and Nathan Jones. Apologies. Yeah, it was the Chelsea game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then after the Chelsea match, I, I looked at it as, look, do I think Sayas is the guy to keep us up? Gun to my head? No, I think we're probably getting relegated anyway, but we don't really have another choice. I didn't I was never one who believed I'll oh, just bring in Big Sam and he'll take care of everything <laughs> like that doesn't work. That's just that that's just kind of some I don't know, some mythical belief that these you can bring in these magical managers with seven matches to go in the season and they'll find a way somehow. But it I didn't thought, work, did it? It was. Yeah, I mean, there were there were multiple ways that we could fail, and I don't think there was a there was really a. A, a good plan for staying up because there was no way to get a striker. <laughs> there was yeah. no way to, to solve that problem. And, and so we ended right where we began, which is we don't really have anybody who can be a clinical finisher. And I think that a, you could, you could point to a number of things, uh, a number of ways that the roster, I mean, the roster was poor at the end of the last campaign or uh, back in 21-22, and throughout the season, you could make arguments that the roster was even poorer in 22-23. But I think that's really the reason why we went down, and and not the managerial decisions or the time, other than other than Ralph. Not necessarily poor. I'd just say a little bit more undercooked. Just uh, not <laughs> not not as prepared. Well, it, it, it's it's interesting you put it in those terms because I think that was also. I heard the frustration from fans when it seemed like every match for the last, I don't know, 20, 15, 20 matches, everyone was saying, we don't have time to build something now. We just, we need results today. Like we have to go out there and find a way, housery, whatever it's going to take, we have to get a result. That's a lot easier said than done. Uh, and, And so we didn't want to have, we didn't have patience for a manager to find himself. Uh, we didn't have patience. And, and now I think looking back on it, we can understand why, like we were frustrated that we look at the team sheets and my God, like he keeps moving players. Around. <laughs> no striker. Like, we don't no have striker. a set. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. I'd hear that weekend. Oh, there's no striker in the, in, in the team sheet. Who, who yeah, are you who suggesting? Would you who would you suggest? Yeah. Mara, Onuachu or uh, Jay, yeah. an injured Jay Adams. And they, you know, right. none of them were, uh, were, 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 were top candidates. I mean, Onuachu wasn't Orsich. playing his way in. <laughs> yeah. Play Orsic for the center. Yeah. Why not? I mean, and, and, Walcott and was playing and, up there. Alcaraz was playing up there. I mean, let's think about this. There was a point in the season where I think all of us were saying, oh, yeah, we have to play Theo. Theo looks like our best option. Last season, when we were, when the plane was flying into the mountain, we were all saying Theo should be nowhere near the pitch. He, mm-hmm. We have better options. And I love Theo and God bless him for, for working hard to, to get back in the team and, and not just being downcast. But 
did Theo Walcott become the best option because Theo Walcott became a better player in 22-23? Or <laughs> was it that the not, roster no. got so much worse that we just had no other options? And so I thought it was kind of farcical that the fans were always crying out for this player, that player. It reminded me of, you know, to, to bore the listeners back to an American football analogy, but there's the saying that the most popular player on an American football team is the backup quarterback. We just always assume that if you put him in, that that this disaster that just took place wouldn't have taken place. So we all cried out for tall Paul. Why we spent all this money on a striker, let him play. And then as soon as he was on the pitch, we're screaming to get him off. Yeah. But again, they spent money on him. They must have done some research on him, right? <laughs> yeah, it was probably the same one who uh, researched Joe Rebo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guido Carrillo, yeah, go back to that, yes. that far, but yeah, um, we when we had, uh, I think it was Stu Minchin we had on, uh, we were talking about positives, he brought up a really, really good point, and it made me see it from a different point of view, so I mean, most people are going to say, oh, the positives of this season, you've got to look at Alcaraz, you've got to look at uh, Lavia, but in fact, he said it could be the fact that we got relegated, because we have a chance to rebuild now, we can hit the reset button, we can bring in a new manager, we can bring in, and you know, get rid of it, because I mean, a lot of the problems that uh, Ruben Sayers had was that he's got too many players and he can't play them all. We saw so many players just not getting included in, in the match day squads. Uh, this is the chance to get rid of some of those players. Uh, and that made me see it. I mean, it, 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 Stu was so, so uh, positive. Yeah, he was very, very positive saying that we were going to win the league and go back up again. Obviously, the positive from being relegated, having a chance to reset it's in it's in his mind that this is what's best for the club right now. And I think he had, he does have a point. If you're looking at this re, this relegation, this is something to be positive about. It is a chance to reset, rebuild. Well, look, we don't have a choice but to look at it as a positive, I suppose. I, I It's hard <laughs> for me to say that relegation is ever a positive. Uh, I think we have to be very careful with that, though, because as I was saying before about how fans were crying out for consistency you know one of the things that used to drive us nuts we would all complain about nathan redmond oh he's inconsistent he's great one match and then he doesn't show up for the next two at least he showed up for that one match because we put players out there who didn't show up for any matches uh who brought next to nothing and i think in in yeah we can as a fan you want to be positive and you can look at it as we have all these you know, voids to fill, and now we're going to have money. You know, the, the, the upside of potentially, you know, if there is an upside of losing players like Tino that we really wanted to see, is we'll fetch a good amount of money that we can then use to fill in the voids. Uh, and look, there is cause for optimism. I mean, I have some optimism. Like, I actually am optimistic of about our strikers going into next season. We have three proven championship level strikers in Nathan Tella, Adam Armstrong and Shea Adams. Uh, and I don't frankly need three of them to set the world on fire one or two. And we're in a great place. So there's, there's some cause for optimism there, but I think that last season we were all too happy to see, you know, we, we always said we got to get rid of some of the dead wood. You know, we have to get rid of, you know, it'd be great to move on from Nathan Redmond and, um, and Shane Long, and, and I found whoa, myself. Whoa, whoa, no Shane Long. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't, well, you know, we couldn't put Shane Long in there. I mean, he never scored a goal, right? Oh, we love Shane Long. I love <laughs> Shane Long as well. And But, you know, he didn't score. It was kind of undeniable. Mm. Uh, but 
we, we, we moved on from them. And what did we get in return? I don't even, I mean, we got Alcaraz, which was nice. Uh, that, of course, that present didn't come until January. Uh, but other than that, I mean, we, I remember saying at one point in the season, we were so happy to watch all of these guys go. If we had them in the roster right now, would you not be starting Shane Long? Would you not be starting Nathan? I know Nathan Redmond would be starting. Um, so, you know, we things can get worse when you have those those voids. But um, in terms of like the large squad, I actually I like the idea of let's see if Sam Adozi can do it. Uh, you know, now we get to give some of these players uh, a, a chance who Don Ballard. Don Ballard. I'd love to see that. I mean, it's a, isn't it amazing? Like I, I had this realization that, wow, we just went from having from my saying we have absolutely no striker to it's actually crowded up there. Like, who are you going to put up there? Yeah. As, assuming that he's going to. Yeah, he's going to play. Oh, we don't know if he's going to play Adam Armstrong through the center. Um, by all accounts, Russell Martin only plays one up top. Uh, looking at his formations with Swansea, he, plays, he even plays five at the back, four at the back and five in midfield. So he, he, he bangs that out. But I don't think yeah, I don't think there's going to be any room to play uh, Adam Armstrong through the centre. Actually, a really good problem to have. I mean, I think I, Tell is, if Tell is here, Tell has got to be on the pitch, right? I don't see why not him coming off the right or the left. I mean, he's, he's proven in that in that division. Had a great season last year for Burnley, but again, we don't know if he's going to stay. All, all these players could be uh, could be out the door, so he might not have that many options. But he's one that I think I'd rather take the player over the money. If if Burnley wants to be foolish and not pony up the the cash for him, that's fine. I'd love Nathan Teller banging in twenty goals. I'll take that. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, okay, so we've got some questions. I've got six questions for you. Uh, same questions that I ask every single person that comes on the show. Uh, the first one being, if Ralph had still been in charge, would we still be in the Premier League? Yes. Ralph, Ooh. I think, would have found a way. In fact, I actually think – so when you take into consideration that Ralph was sacked right before we hit a favorable part of the, the schedule, I think if you just looked at the next – the upcoming five matches, uh, would Ralph have gotten – five points from those seven eight i think that that's realistic i think he would have ended the first half of the season on a point per game and then he'd get lavia back uh and who knows what would have happened in january i think you give him that roster yeah i think uh i have every reason to believe that he would have been able to keep the team up especially when it was a season when you only needed like what 35 36 points to stay up yeah it's amazing how, how how that question splits opinions. Your player of the season. Man, I, I listening to the, the previous episodes, mm. I thought it's Lavia by a long shot. And then uh, Tim last week made a great case for Ward Prowse. Both teams I, did, actually, yeah. Yeah, I think I still lean Lavia, especially because – what I described earlier at the beginning of the season, when he wasn't on the pitch, the team was a lot worse. You really, you noticed when he was out there. So yeah. uh, I, I love James Ward Prowse, but I think I'd, I'd give it to Lavia, but it was a lot closer than I initially thought. Yeah. And I suppose it was the shock of, uh, of him being so good so soon. 
uh, which is another thing that, you know, it, it catches the eye. So, yeah, he gets it. He, gets he was so poised. I mean, mm. from the moment he was on the pitch, I felt like every time I watched him, the ball was on his foot and he was spinning away from from two players in a dangerous area. And he was doing it like it was nothing like he had no fear that this like ball he's was been going doing to be it for taken. years. Yeah. Yeah. Natural. Um, goal of the season. I have to go with Shea's scissor kick against Leicester. Mm. Uh, it was because it was a number of things. It was it was late in the match. It was the winning goal, and it was at a time when I still had optimism, and <laughs> I was so through because I was pulling for Ralph, and when that once that went in, I thought, great, now we can finally put to rest all of this madness about sacking Ralph. We can <laughs> settle in, uh, and maybe Shea is going to be uh, that something closer to that clinical striker that we need. Uh, but that was just such a thrilling goal. Like I was, it was one of the last times Southampton made me really, really happy. <laughs> that was at the start of the season as well. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Um, uh, what was your game of the season? I'm going to go a, a little off the board and I'm going to go with the Tottenham three, three draw mm. because that I mean, I was so down. Like I was just crushed watching it when they when Tottenham got the third. Uh, I was like, this might be one of those rare times where if I was at the stadium, I'd be walking out right now. There is no reason to. There is no way this team is coming up with two or three goals from this point onward. Uh, I'm back to looking like relegation, and then out of nowhere, they managed to to come back pull even and it, everything that followed was tremendous. I mean, we're now, we've got 10 matches to go. Uh, I've got, we're two points adrift. I have cause for optimism. Maybe the Sayas guy is going to work out. Uh, <laughs> what I do know is that Conti at Tottenham is not. Yes. <laughs> he flipped out. Can't watch that enough. No. Uh, so yeah, for me, that was, that just came out of nowhere, and suddenly I, I had some optimism again that I had been crying out for, and then we know what happened from there. <laughs> Biggest failure of the season. There is a lot of them. Which is the which is the main one? Uh, it, it's really tough. I think I'm going to go with Sport Republic having no plan B at striker. Uh, missing yeah, right. kind of like yeah. a, a, uh, Alex Haas said the same thing. Pretty much. Yeah, it's it's really close. It's between that and sacking Ralph at all. Uh, the only thing about Ralph that gives me a little pause is I don't actually know that Ralph would have pulled the team out of the tailspin. Um, but it, whereas I know that not having a striker. Yeah, was, that's a good point. It was, and it's unforgivable. It's just so unforgivable when you think about the money that Sport Republic was throwing around that they couldn't find a backup. It's, it just infuriates me to even think about it now. So I think that's the biggest one. Yeah, very good point. Um, this is the this is the best one. I love this because I'm going to write this down uh, and I'll remind you at the end of the season. Uh, we've got some uh, got some interesting ones in here so far. Um, but what position do Saints finish in the Championship, Scott? I know it's difficult. I know it's early. There's yeah. not lot, we haven't got players in. We haven't got players. I mean, it might even change between now and August, but because mine probably will. Uh, but for right now is when I'm going to log it. 
So I'm it, it is very challenging because I feel like there's just a bunch of question marks all over the pitch because a lot of our better players are going to go and now I'm counting on Sport Republic to fill these voids and they've been their their track record is spotty. Um, it, it, I think it's I will say it's not as bad as I think some people make out because you know Lavia did happen and so did Alcaraz and and, and I think some of the swings and misses in January was because they were desperate. It, it all dates back to screwing it up in the summer window, but it brought in some other players. I mean, Mara's got potential, Dozy's got potential, um, but I think I I would say it's hard for me to say with certainty that they're going to get it right. Uh, but I could see us finishing in about sixth place. I no, think. I, know, I really knew. I knew you were going to say that for some reason. <laughs> I think, and, and and being optimistic, I see it as maybe we're going to have a little bit of trouble out of the gates. We've got a whole new cast of characters in here. It might take them uh, take a little while for the system to take hold and the players to gel. But I could see us finishing strong, finishing in sixth, and then coming through the playoff. That's good. I'm going to take that. I'll put that down. You are locked in, my friend. Sixth <laughs> place. I, I wanted to say that I thought the biggest success of the season was actually the Jan Begnarik reclamation project. Yeah, that's that, that's worth mentioning, I suppose. Because, I mean, he, he, he turned some heads there. I, what he said, I still cannot forgive him for what he said. I don't think you, you, can't, you can't do that. But the way that he'd... He turned it around with his uh, with his uh, performances. Yeah, he showed a lot of heart. He certainly did. Yeah, and uh, I'd, I'd welcome him back to the team. But still, there is that little bit of doubt there that says, you know, he doesn't want to be here. He did. He showed a lot of heart, and and it was, I mean, when at the time that he was leaving for Villa, he was he was candid about some of the issues that he was having, like the difficulty of dealing with all the pressure fans getting on him and so forth. And I thought, man, you show that kind of vulnerability and then you leave to go to Villa and then you have to come back. That's really, really tough for him to, yeah. to turn around. And so I was thrilled to like yourself. I think I was a little reluctant to be rooting for this guy. I kind of wished that we didn't have to, uh, but when, but when he came back and he's playing, he was clearly playing hurt on a couple of occasions. He gave it his all, and he was pretty darn productive. I mean, there were times where I think probably had more confidence in him than anyone else back there. And might have to give Sayas a little credit for that, too, uh, because it was really under his leadership that I think Bednarik really solidified himself back there. Yeah, he was. You say he was playing with injuries. Yeah, that was the time when, he, when we thought he'd break his rib, and he still... You know, he could hardly breathe, but he was back on the pitch. And yeah, that's amazing. And you don't get that a lot, especially in Premier League. Yeah, well said. Um, Yeah, hopefully he can stay because he could be a really, really important piece for us next season. I hope so. Him and the anchor. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, I think he's gone. Sadly. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Scott, thank you. Obrigado. <laughs> thank you, Ray. This has been so much fun. Come on for your hat trick. Absolutely. And then I'll remind you when we're like 16th in the championship, and I'll say, Scott, you said we were going to finish sixth. Come on. What's I going on? <laughs> I can see that coming. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, make sure you, uh, you you keep active on the Discord and, you know, next season, get on your uh, predictions and stuff like that. And uh, Absolutely will be. Thanks a million, mate. And uh, up the Saints. 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 Up
Sports Social Podcast Network.